really glad to be continuing in this series on work. This has been such a fun way of consolidating all these thoughts that I've had during COVID about the meaning of work and how things change and how to meet God in what we do during our weeks. Last week, we, we just launched, so we can catch you up quick if you weren't here. Uh, we talked about how God has given us an alternative way to view our work, that we don't believe in a sacred secular divide. We believe that God is in it all. And when we talk about work, I'm not excluding you because I'm talking about anything that fills your days. So whether you're working for a paycheck or you really hate what you're doing or nobody pays you enough for what you do or uh, you're retired, most of us have full days, have things going on in our lives. And that what fills your time is what we're talking about as work. And the new way to work that God is offering is a way to see that God is in it all. We can do all our work. I really like Charlie uh, had a better outline last week that I really wish I'd had last week. We do all our work with God and like God and for God. And that is a radically different way to interact with the world than those who might not know who God is personally yet. This week, we're going to take on how frustrating work can be. Isn't that fun? Nobody has a frustrating job, right? So I'm just talking to myself today, right? No. We're going to talk about not only the daily frustrations of work, because that, that's real, that fills our time, but we're also going to talk about how often we are frustrated because of a false story about the purpose of our work. So when we misunderstand the purpose of our work, our work carries inherent frustration with us. Our world tries to get us to buy off on this false story, where the ultimate goal of our work is retirement. I think that Jesus actually has a better goal for us. It might come as a surprise, so let's just work this out together. What's on the bucket list of retirement? What makes retirement awesome? Trips, sleeping in, freedom, yard work. Really? All right, all right. <laughs> Hopefully a couple of good friends, a good body, right? Anybody feel like that's the story you've been working toward? Like, that sounds pretty good. I'm in for that. It's all right. It's all right. Um, I think that there's, uh, the reason we buy into that is because we know some people who are experiencing it, and it seems amazing. And how many of us know someone who was working toward that retirement, and it didn't turn out the way they thought? Suddenly, their body wasn't as healthy as they thought it would be. Um, forgive me if this is triggering for you, but you are more alone than you thought you'd be in that stage of your life. Or something dramatically happened economically right before you retired and it changed the plan, right? And so you got frustrated. Maybe frustrated is a light word for what you thought. When the ideal American work story doesn't work out, it's frustrating because it seemed like a really good story to play into. It's frustrating to have done nine to five, the nine to five grind of years, expecting 10 to 30, I don't know how many years, and the payoff is just not coming quite like you thought. It's also frustrating in the middle of that story. If that's what you're working toward, it's frustrating in the middle um, because we, have, we don't have a whole lot of options if nine to five is the grind that's going to get us where we're going and your coworkers are grumpy <laughs> or your boss has a bad attitude, right? Or 
you're doing menial work that's either overlooked or you're certainly not getting paid enough for it. And that middle of that story carries its own frustration. And our only options, because we still want to get to the goal, right, are either to gripe or to cope or to quit. Hope the grass is greener in the other job, right? So I find that a lot of our guests to Alpha, our Alpha course show up to Alpha because they're asking the question, isn't there more to life than this? It's just not working out like a thought. So I want to propose there is more to life than this, that um, the end is not American retirement. That's actually a false promise and a really new one at that. And so Jesus offers us a better end to work. And because there's a better end, there's also better alternatives for how to interact with the frustrations that we hit in the middle of our jobs. So I want to propose that when we can see a different end, we can see actually a holy challenge in what is frustrating in our work and a holy challenge in what happened in retirement that we weren't expecting. If you're going to get there... We have to buy into a new story, a new story of work, a story that begins when work was not frustrating and ends with work that is not frustrating. (laughs) So here's the big shocker. Retirement is not God's best for you. Work is. Work is. I love the Christmas movie Elf. I'll take a moment anytime I can to quote Elf, even if it is May, May 1, good moment to quote the movie Elf. And what I want to share with you is this scene where Elf encounters a mall worker who is very frustrated with his job, and the hashtag is born, make work your favorite. Let's just enjoy this for a minute. Okay, you didn't hear that well enough. I'll, I'll give it to you. So Buddy the Elf, because I, I, oh, just got to see these moments. Buddy the Elf says, smiling's my favorite. And the manager says, make work your favorite. Work's your new favorite. He's like, okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs> so this is how I hope you leave today. Go on. Ooh, work's my new favorite. Okay. In the beginning with God, work was our favorite. Not because God had given us, um, you know, forced us to work but because God had given us the work that he was doing. Do you know that three-year-olds love to scrub toilets? Why do they love to scrub toilets? Because they're doing it with you. They're doing the work that they see you doing, and it makes it fun. In the beginning, we were working with God, and it was good work, and we loved it. Work was initially our favorite because we were in an unfrustrating creation with God. So listen to the beginning of the story. If you've got your Bibles, I really encourage you to open them up. If you don't, come with me to 703 Kitsop Street after this, and I'll get you your own Bible. Or you can open up your um, phone to Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. It says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. 
Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in the east, Eden, in Eden in the east, and there he put the man that he had formed. The beginning of our story is that God worked. It wasn't beneath him to get into the dirt and to form man out of the ground. It is his very nature. Do you hear that? It's not beneath him to work. He didn't stoop himself to work. It is the nature of our God to work. And as Judy just led us, he made us in his image to work like him. It is very like God to work. And then he has this beautiful moment where um, when he's forming man out of dirt, he breathes, in Hebrew, it's his ruach. It's like it's an onomatopoeia. It's his spirit. He breathes ruach into us. And he makes us, like him, a living creature. And then, as if this like whole image with the mist and everything wasn't beautiful enough, then God plants a garden in Eden that he planted for us. And he plants man in the garden to work it. This is the beginning of the story of who we are. This is the answer to what is the purpose of life. We are made by a creator God who loves us and made us in his image to work a garden. And just like God made the garden, he formed it, made it not for himself, he made it for us. So too, everything that God has put in our sphere of influence to work, we are also in his image to work it for others. Our life has always been about life with God and for God and for others. So then God tells us what we are to do in this holy work. Genesis 2, 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Are created. We are created. We are not created for retirement. <laughs> Don't buy into the lie of storing up your life for yourself. From the beginning, the story of our purpose was to work what God had given us with him and for him and for others. And then he gives us these two words about what it looks like to work. He gives us the word to work it and to keep it. The word work in the garden means to make it fruitful, to make it multiply for you and for others. I inherited a garden when we moved to Port Orchard that is way more than we need. This is like at the tiniest corner of this garden. But I love to work it. And I love to work it not just for myself. I love to work it to give stuff away. I don't need six beds of raspberries, right? But the kids who've been to my house, they're starting to ask, are the raspberries growing yet? Because they love to come and feast on all the fruity goodness, right? They know they're going to come over and I'm going to share what I have, right? I'm multiplying it, not just for myself, but for the sake of others. But in the beginning, all was not safe and lovely already. Even from the beginning, God told us to work the garden and to keep it. Another word for keep is to guard. There was something in the beginning that was a threat to the work of multiplying for the sake of others. So we were to work it and to keep it. And boy, oh boy, do I spend my time guarding my garden. Oh my goodness. Take, take a peek at this. 
this is the deer. That's, that is deer prints in a raised garden bed, okay? I got to work to work it and to keep it. Now, back in, in this like original perfection, I don't know, somehow the gardener and the deer were friends. I don't know. Apparently that was the case. So even then, in the beginning, there was threat and anticipation that the garden could be wrecked, that it needed to be worked and to, ke- to be kept. Um, it's important that we see this fundamental beginning of the story of work being good, about being made by a creator for good work, and to be aware that even in the beginning, there was a, a potential in infiltration. Let me use that word. And the infiltration was the threat of choice. Now, even that choice was originally meant to be good. So let me tell you why. So when God made us in his image, he made us to share love that he shared, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the very beginning of creation. He created us to share in that love. But love itself that is forced or coerced is not genuine love, right? So even in the beginning, God gave us the opportunity to choose him or to choose an alternate way. So he offered abundant life with him. He offered a path to learn and to grow and to be wise and to overcome that would happen in relationship with him. But because he wanted that loving relationship authentically, he also gave the alternative path. And that's where we get these two trees that were planted in the garden. Let me read you that. Right after he puts man in the garden to work and to keep it, verse 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of the tree of the garden, but of the knowledge of But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God commanded the man not to eat of these fruits. Don't choose life apart from me. Don't choose the path to knowledge and wisdom and right and wrong apart from me. God doesn't want us to deny us those things. He doesn't want to deny us life or knowledge, but his hope is that we will choose him, choose authentic, loving relationship with him. And in that life and relationship with God, we will have eternal life and we will have all the knowledge that we need to operate in the world. So this is very interesting. Um, Oh, and by the way, that choice comes with a steep consequence, right? Choose the path of life and knowledge with God, or there is an alternative path, but that one leads to death. Ooh, Siri. Siri does not understand it. Okay, so let's go a little, let me see if I can explain it. Okay, very interestingly, you're going to turn on your Hebrew caps for a moment, okay? That word keep is the same word for keeping the commandments. Do you like that? So we are commanded to work and to keep the garden, to guard it from evil, and from the infiltration of lies. And so too, when God gives us a commandment to choose life with him, that too is a work of guarding, of protecting our hearts and our minds from evil and from lies that would separate us from him. This the same work that God has given us to work a ground and to keep it and to do our lives and to do it his way. It's a working, it's a multiplying, and it's a keeping. It's a protecting and a guarding. 
Problem is we don't do it. We didn't do it and we don't do it. Man neither guarded the garden and he didn't follow the way of God to eternal life and to knowledge. And we still don't keep his commandments. We still don't choose his way. The garden came under siege. What it was supposed to be protected against was a lie. A lie that said, this is your life. You can go and choose how to discover for yourself what is right and wrong and what your truth is. Oh, and there's no consequence for it. You will not surely die. This is the tale that is as old as time. It is not new in 2022. So out of the mouth of the serpent in Genesis came the false story about what life is about, the purpose of life, and we're still buying it today. He said, if you want real knowledge, you don't need it from God. You could just eat it from this tree. And you won't surely die. Instead, you will be like God. And people grabbed hold of the lie that life and knowledge is available apart from God. And they thought they could have it all without consequence. And man and woman together seized knowledge for themselves. And that purposeful life of that perfect life with God and like God and for God, that purposeful life as it was unfrustratingly good ended. So work that was once a blessing became mingled with curse and curse born from man's desire to experience life on their own terms. And here's where our frustration with work comes from today. Many of us experience a significant chunk of our days as curse. Even if we're doing work that we love, we're regularly running into brokenness that we feel powerless to fix. Here's how the consequence of our own way went down. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. To Adam, God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Get this, before, the, before this moment, we call this the fall, before that moment of the fall, a lot of our work didn't exist. Exterminators, didn't need them. Funeral directors, didn't need them, right? Blackberry removers, didn't need them. Come on, Adam, right? <laughs> Presumably, all of that was not needed in the creation of God. I, I love uh, this uh, commentary that Scott Griffin gave me called The Theology of Work. He talks about these professions, correctional officers, like any, anything that fundamentally is dealing with brokenness. He said these professions restrain evil, forestall disaster, repair damage, and restore health. 
Even in jobs um, that seem good, we've got major frustrations because of work. Anybody ever had an email server go down and you find out like two weeks later and then your emails went out? Just me? Okay, incredibly frustrating. <laughs> um, anybody having a problem with parts not getting delivered, stuff that you need because of supply shortages? Incredibly frustrating, right? Anybody got a boss with a bad attitude? Anybody, anything else bugging you? You just need, like, need to shout out and get off your chest, right? Okay, amen. Our work now has a new layer. In the unfrustrated, perfect creation, it was to work and to keep. And we still have that work. We still need to multiply what God's given us for the sake of others. We still have the work of keeping and guarding our work from evil. But now we have this additional layer of restoration that needs to happen. Because now our work is, everything that we find frustrating has a layer where something needs to be restored or repaired. And it's frustratingly seems like it's on our plate to do it, right? So most of us work our, our daily lives frustrated, and it's honestly frustrating from day one when you start working. So um, I want to engage our kids. If you guys would mind coming forward over here, I'd like to talk to you about your schoolwork being frustrating, okay? Do you mind coming on over here like we normally do? do come on over here. I'm got, I got some work for you guys to do. Come on over. You're too quiet. I know, I, I know you're not usually this, this quiet, but I appreciate it. Hi, guys. Okay, so question. You guys work every day when you go to school as students, right? This is your primary work? Okay. What is good about your work? What's, what's your favorite thing about schoolwork? Yep. Uh, art projects. <gasps> Great. Anybody else really like art projects at school? Yeah? Anybody else have any good thing that they love about work or school? Yep. Kiefer? Oh, yeah, science. That's a good one. What do you got? I like math. You like math? Oh, we got to mix everything. Okay. I was counting on somebody saying the artwork was their favorite. So I'm going to need some people to make some art creations for us. That was definitely Reed. You keep for you're going to take the other one? Okay. I've got, more wor I've got more work for everybody to do. So just hold tight. Okay. So you've got good work. Just draw something. And please don't be sad about it because I'm just going to tell you that right now it's not going to stay exactly how you drew it. Okay. So like this doesn't have to be your ultimate creation because you'll get a little too sad about what I'm going to do. Okay. Ultimate? All right. Yeah. Ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You guys know where this is going. Where do you, when you're at, at school, where do you get a chance to do something for other people? If you make your artwork, do you always keep it? No? What do you do with it sometimes? Give it to someone else. Good. Okay, you're really good at math. If you're really good at math and somebody else isn't, what can you do with how good you are at math? Help them. Totally. So when God gave us good work to do, even your student work, he gave you good work to do, hopefully some of it that you like, and he wants you to help others with your work. But sometimes when you're working on something, somebody mean comes and just takes it. And it gets ripped. How do you feel about that? It's angry. Oh, you're still together. I got to rip it again. Sometimes our work is really frustrating. What can we do for each other when we're mad and angry and our work doesn't look good? What could you do to help Reed and Kiefer? What could you do? Yes. Make another one. That's a good idea. Remake this one maybe? That'd be better because I only have two sheets of paper. Do you think 
you could repair what got broken. The magic of tape. So when God gives us good work to do, here, can you let the girl, we need, we need, you need help, Kiefer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you, yep. We're going to let somebody else see. Why, can you try to put those pieces together? Jubilee, do you think you could help? Could you get those pieces all together? Listen, God didn't want a world full of frustrating things and frustrating work. He's sad that your paper got ripped up. That's not normally his way. But because Jesus came, he came to restore what was broken. And he wants us, people who follow him. I think you got to flip those upside down. Mm-hmm, you did that right. He wants us to help be repairers, be people who help put things back together. And you, who are made to be like God, you are are image bearers. You look like God when you make beautiful things, when you give them to other people, when you help other people, and when you help repair what was broken. So listen, God's going to give you guys all kinds of skills, and we're counting on you to grow up in the world and to make good things out of what God's given you and to make them good for others and to help fix people's bodies. We're hoping some of you will grow up to be doctors. We're going to need you to create beautiful things. Amen. We're going to need you to repair our houses. Amen. I'm not getting up on my roof. Cure cancer. Go for it, Kiefer. Um, you're scared of heights. God is a good creator, and he wants you to bear his image in the world by helping people and making great things and even repairing what was broken. Okay, thank you for being here. I'm excited to see what you create over at the tables. Thank you. Oh, look, they've got it together. Do you guys want to see? This is, this is the beginning of Kiefer's dinosaur. Thank you very much. That's now oh, is this, it was going to be a snake? Awesome. Well, even snakes were created good. Poor things. And we, got a, and we got a bat. Awesome. Okay, thank you guys for creating for us an upside-down bat, because that's how bats go. Thank you, guys. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, guys. The good news about our work is that God is a repairer. He's a restorer. God... Um, both he um, he was the creator who who did declare curse he there were consequences for the actions of human beings and the state of the world changed but he also is a he's a God who fundamentally gets his hands dirty and he comes to be with us and to work with us and so he came in the person of Jesus to step into the broken world himself and experience all the frustrations of work. If you don't believe Jesus experienced frustrations, just like start reading. Start reading in the book of Mark. He starts dealing right away with the stuff that's broken in the world. And then he repaired it. Death was the ultimate consequence of choosing our own truth, choosing our own path. And God's answer to that was to go through death himself and be done with it forever and to rise from the dead so that his spirit could dwell in us once again to repair what was broken with God and human beings and to repair what is broken in the world. The end of the story, we're going to be looking at this as we get toward June, the end of the story is not laid back retirement, not in the way that like we think about sitting around and doing nothing. It's actually a return to unfrustrating work. Scripture describes our eternity with God as a garden and as a city. It is good work to do again with God. And we're in that frustrating in-between. And his goal in the in-between is not to receive the frustration and back down, 
but to receive the frustration and lean in as those who would repair and would restore and would bring healing in the way that he himself has. So let's get really practical um, with what this looks like. I want to reframe our story. Um, We're memorizing Colossians chapter 3 verse 17, which is our passage from last week. So as we as we turn toward this new end, would you just repeat this with me? We're gonna we're gonna keep doing this every week till it gets ingrained in us. Whatever you do, we'll do it again. Ready? And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Jesus has reconciled all things to himself. That's actually what it says at the beginning of this letter, Colossians chapter 1. And 2 Corinthians 5 says that now he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So whatever we do, whatever frustration we're encountering, whatever retirement, unemployment, not getting paid enough, overseeing work we're doing, we can do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus as a work of his reconciliation. This is what I thought about when I heard about what Chris does in the shipyard. Um, He is... um, he, he's not here today, so that, like, luckily, don't, you don't want to be that person, like, red-faced, right? He's, he's restoring and repairing with his family on the baseball field this morning, and I support that. Um, Chris talked about overseeing the safety of submarine crews, right? By ensuring that everything gets right, done right the first time. Now, if he's going for America's retirement goal, then what that means is one screw that's tightened and one piece of paper that's attached to that screw after another just stacks up and up and up and up and up until it equals time for his family to, to go to Hawaii. And then like you, you know, start that thing up again, right? Like that would be the path. That would be the way to understand the purpose of that work. But with a gospel-centered God's story creation, where, where you're making and you're multiplying for the sake of others and you're keeping and you're guarding and you're restoring and repairing, Then you begin to see something like this. Submarines exist because there are political threats to peace. And we need crews on submarines to monitor our ocean borders. In God's story, God is the grantor of peace. So anytime that we're experiencing political peace, we're experiencing a foretaste of the ultimate creation to come. And so his work as a safety officer, it provides a needed layer of oversight to that repair process. We've seen what happens when that goes wrong, right? He protects human lives by working on that submarine. And his work is not just for his paycheck. It's for the thriving of human lives and maintaining peace. That's what you can kind of like live into at a 30,000-foot view. And then day to day, he has to interact with a, a big team. And I'm sure there is never any conflict (laughs) on that team, right? No, he has his own team, and then he has eight peers who are working with him, doing the same job that he's doing. He prayed, he asked for us to pray for him for more intergenerational work. That's a holy longing. Jesus talks about his body as the church that needs every part of the body. So he's recognizing that there's a frustration, there's a lack and that that lack is connected to a good gift that God gave. So one of the ways that he's repairing and stepping in is asking for us to pray that more of that image would show up in his work. Chris is an image bearer of God. He's repairing work, and he's building community. This is holy work, 
and it's full of the need for God's spirit. Now, it, we could take a long time to talk through everybody's jobs together and actually want us to get in the practice of thinking really creatively about how God wants to meet us in his work. Jesus can teach you how to look at what he's given you as a way to um, make life more fruitful for more people. Jesus' spirit can teach you how to be on guard against evil. He can teach you how to see the lies that you have believed that are, we're swimming in and how they have impacted how we view our work. God's spirit can help us do the deeper work of reconciliation. I believe he can allow us to see our frustrations and give us insight into where the gospel hits those. So I, I even invite you to just like think about one frustration in your work. And can you see that that would not be present in a perfect creation, but it is present because of brokenness? And can you buy God's story that he wants to reconcile and change that through you, that you're in the middle of a story that he is ultimately reconciling and that you are, in, um, you are with him in doing this? This takes, it takes work. It takes an unlearning of how we've absorbed the purpose of work. I want to invite you to read with me. I'm rereading a book by John Mark Comer called Garden City. I forgot to bring it with me because it's sitting on my counter where I've been reading it. But at the first week of June, we're going to do a book study on that where I want to do more of this dialogue where we actually talk about what's the work on your plate or the non-work on your plate and how do you see that as the way that God is participating in the, in the world. But I really... I, for today to not just walk out of here going, that's a lovely idea, and I'm glad she talked about it with Chris, but I'm never going to figure that out. I, wa I, want to I want us to engage God in prayer about the frustrations of our work, and I want to do this differently. So if this is your first time here, you don't know that this is different to us. You just get to dive in. For those of us who are here, I want to invite you to um, get a little uncomfortable with me. Haha, <laughs> don't you love that when I intro that way? And I know people are listening to this on the podcast, and I just want to invite, if it's just being listened to, that you engage in prayer as I lead this um, right here and now. I'm going to invite you in a minute, so you can just like start working up how you're going to feel about this. I want to invite everybody to participate in prayer by getting up and moving. And I'm going to invite two groups of people to pray. And if you don't feel like either of these two groups is you, that God's not stirring this in your heart at this moment, I want you to consider coming forward and praying for those that God is stirring. So I'm hoping that everybody would be willing to be uncomfortable and get up and move and pray. Up here, I want to invite people to come forward and to, to pray with me to God about retirement. So if your retirement isn't turning out the way you thought it was, or if you would say, gosh, I am so shocked that Megan said that retirement is not the purpose of life. I don't even have another framework. That's really what I thought I was working toward. I want to invite you to come up and um, pray right here. And Larry, can you just like, can you just exemplify this for me? Okay. Come right here. This, this is new. Thank you. I do not expect you to strut the way Larry just strutted. <laughs> to come up and receive prayer. And if you're not feeling like that's a nudge for you, but you would like to pray for those who are feeling like work, like uh, retirement is a particular area of frustration, you're just going to come and like stand behind these people like this, and you're going to pray for them, okay? And then the other group of people, you want to make, you want to migrate with me? <laughs> the other group of people that I want to invite, um, to receive prayer are those for whom work is particularly frustrating. 
what you do, remember how we defined work. Work is what's filling your days, right? If your work is currently frustrating and you would really love Jesus to meet you there, you'd love the wisdom of of God in your frustrating work, you're going to come here. And again, if you're going to pray for them, you're going to kind of stand back here and pray for them. And I'm going to guide us through prayer. So would anybody be willing to be uncomfortable with me and come forward and pray? And I had some people say that they are like, that it's both and. So you're welcome to come in the front <laughs> if you want. And I'll just, I'll just pray. But would you actually move, migrate and move? And I want, us to, I want us to experience God in prayer together. In the middle. Bless you. Yeah, middle group. Yeah, it's just frustrating work, and probably engaged in that retirement is frustrating too. This idea of retirement. Bless you. So, um, first of all, just would you just look around and see you're not alone? Okay, you're not alone in being frustrated. This is this is a real story that's really happening in the world, and God wants to repair what's broken. So. Um, now, if, if you'll close your eyes, if you're praying for people, you are welcome to keep your eyes open. I find that I can feel like I know more of what God's doing when I have my eyes open. I can kind of see what he's li living into. But if you're receiving prayer, would you consider, like, finding your, shift your weight so that you're actually comfortable? Close your eyes. And, um, and expect God to speak to you because his spirit, he breathed ruah into you as a human being. You became a living being. And the spirit of Jesus has been sent to us that all those who call upon the name of Jesus would be saved and would know life with Jesus. So expect the spirit to speak to you. And here's how I want us to pray. First, I just, I want to give you space to just tell God what you're frustrated about. If you need another line, you could say, this is not how I thought it would be. But um, would you... Tell God what you're frustrated by. If you're praying for people, would you, um, would you pray that they would feel comfortable letting God know they're frustrated? Let's pray together. Jesus, we're experiencing the brokenness of your world. It's frustrating. We're more helpless than we want to be. We need your wisdom. We need your spirit. I don't know about you, but that le leads me straight into confession. Would you confess to God any way that you've contributed to what's not perfect in your work situation? Jesus, we really thought our way was best. We thought we could do work apart from you. We showed up on Sunday, but I didn't expect you to be there on Monday. Forgive me. Tell God that you need him. Ask God for wisdom. Tell him where, 
where you need to be wise about how to do something for others or where evil and lies are creeping in or where something needs to be repaired and you don't know how to do it, ask him. And especially if you're, if you're standing and praying for people, would you please pray that the Spirit would pour out wisdom upon us? Jesus, we need new ways. We need creative ways. And would you cl- would you close this close this with praise? Tell God who you know Him to be. Where you've seen Him before. God, our creative worker, you made us in your image. It's not beneath us to work. It is our very image in you to work. Jesus, we praise you that you came and worked yourself, that you knew that we could not do it alone, and so you sent your spirit to dwell within us to be our helper. We praise you. We confess our need. We need you. Lord, I pray we are, we are standing together in need of you. Lord, would you commission us to your work? We see that your world is broken. We will not turn a blind eye to the people in need or the systems that are broken. We will not turn. And so would you commission us to be reconcilers in your wor- world? Would you give us the ministry of reconciliation by your spirit? We are tired of doing it in our own power. It has led us to frustration. So Jesus, would you infuse us by your spirit to be reconcilers in your world, that your kingdom will come and your will would be done here as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to a Kitsap House podcast. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington with in-person worship every Sunday. For more information, go online to kidsapphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you and God bless.